This is Greg Smallwood, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 124, and this is a, a good one. I mean, we have a current comic to review for you tonight. Um, it is an appearance of Moon Knight, much much absent from, from current Marvel you know, comics. So it's really good to have him on um, in the comics. And with me tonight is a very special guest. I like to call him our Conan expert for tonight, um, Dave Finn from The Signal of Doom. Dave, welcome. Hello, Ray, and hello, your listeners. It's a privilege to be here. I'm excited. I mean, I just can't get enough into the night right now. And, I mean, Conan's Conan's involved. Conan and Moon Knight together. I, don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't even say again. I'd say for the first time in history, is it because... You and I are such close friends, and now the signal and into the night are so aligned that Marvel has gone perfect marketing opportunity. What it feels I, like, oh, Dave. I think it's even bigger than that. I think Conchu and Crom have have you know <laughs> oh, come together. Mighty Crom. Yeah. Crom doesn't care. <laughs> Crom, la- Crom laughs <laughs>, laughs at your petty concerns. Yeah, Crom no, is above, you know. In, corporate entanglements i think crom doesn't care from his brooding mountain his lonely mountain he just laughs at the pettiness of humans absolutely and and he's look he and conchu are shining down on both of us they've seen that what we're doing and they see this comic and they you know they've just saying this this has to happen um so we thank yeah, the gods for that yeah uh, dave always always a pleasure to have you on you've been on uh before as well uh, you've done an isla ra we went through your your desert island books oh, which right. is a lot of fun yeah yeah we're in the punisher where i was house. looking for marlene remember i was looking for marlene in the mansion you are she was always, nowhere to be seen you are always looking for marlene dave let's just say that i am i am and like i and i know which marlene i like she's carrying a serious rig and she's a very very loyal girlfriend she's a lovely woman <laughs> Well, she really uh, should have her own series, and I should probably write it, I'd say. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you just can't wait for uh, the TV show then. You'll see Marlene in the flesh, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I like Moon Knight, but I really like his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I've got no doubt, no doubt at all. <laughs> so, no, always good to have you on, Dave. It's, uh, it's going to be a cracker. Thanks, uh, as, you said, as, as I mentioned, Dave's from The Signal of Doom. Mm. We'll get into that. Mm. Um, but welcome, Loonies. Yes, a very big podcast. I'm a very big deal, as in the words of Rob oh. Burgundy. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> the signal of doom are definitely worth checking out. Uh, yeah, Dave. He, he should be compulsory. Should be yeah. compulsory in schools. I feel. Yes. You know, like you, you light up. You light up before, the airways. Instead of, instead of a moment of prayer, they should play ten minutes of the signal. You know, exactly. just every day. Exactly. You, and you light up the airwaves, Dave. I like to say you don't only light it up. You um, you know, you set it set it on fire. You you burn it all down. Thank you, Ray. So, uh, well, I did a solo show today, and let me tell you, I was in fine form. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I was ranting at one point, and I actually said, I don't even know what I'm talking about at one point. I was so lost in my own mind yeah. that I actually said, well, let's just move on, because what, what, what more is there to be said? So, so continue, when did, Ray. 
when does this drop, Dave? When does this drop? Um, what my new show? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm doing it'll tomorrow because I'm, I'm just editing it right now, so I'll, okay, it'll, it'll drop tomorrow. And I've already had a few listeners reaching out to me because it's not there on the regular time. So these are guys who need it, you know, like they're out mm-hmm. there on the road in the wilderness and they need signal man. And so I've got a supply. It's a, um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be dropping dropping tomorrow. Are those Sunday the, uh, in the states? The the Mongolians, Dave. Are they the ones? <laughs> Mongolians, and let me tell you, I'm making some moves that you wouldn't believe in France and UK right now. Our bedrock is our US listeners and our Australian okay. listeners. I love those guys, but Mongolia and <laughs> France and now uh, UK have really come on board recently. I don't oh, know fantastic. what it is. I said, I actually said, if I knew any French, I would thank you in French, but I don't. So, exactly. you know, wow, well, you know, they English, they just have you know? they just have the show. I mean, that's thanks enough, really. Um, yeah, I, I think so. so. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I mean, you mentioned <laughs> the countries. I had a look at our our one, and um, we're spiking in Finland for for some reason. So hello, Finland. To the, hello to all the Finnish there. Um, thank you so much for hello to all the Nordic listeners. And let me tell Nordic, you, yeah. um, maybe in Sweden we have quite a few as well. So let mm-hmm. me tell you, I love those countries, man. Where the Vikings came from, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> where shit got real back in the day. That's it. So, yeah, I've always got a lot of time for those guys. That's it. Um, let it be said that Dave is never um, low on enthusiasm and passion. This is why we love having you on, Dave. Um, I'm on and- a high, man. I've had a lot of coffee today. I'm ready to roll, dude. <laughs> Throw it at me. Throw I me fastballs. Tell- you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm ready to knock him out of the park, dude. You know? right. Okay, hang on, Dave. All right, excellent. So, so listeners, <laughs> we are here, as mentioned. Um, we're going to be... The big thing is reviewing Conan Serpent War number one. Um, not only that, though, one of the main reasons why we do have Dave here is um, a bundle of energy. You're crackling. You're crackling like Financial a, advice? Like a is it financial advice? Or what oh, is it? Like yeah, possibly. Relationship advice? Like, what do you need? No, no. <laughs> no Conan, Conan advice. Dave is our Conan expert yes. for this. Um, so I thought we'd do a little bit of a primer for loonies out there who may not know Conan too well um, and uh, Ken obviously sure. on Serpent War uh, going to just be um, throwing some questions at Dave maybe you can um, you know elucidate Dave on, on on Conan and Dark Agnes and Solomon Kane, which are the other characters mm-hmm. uh, it should be a blast sure. so we've got Dave on for that all the usual pizzazz and, and spiel um, but first of all I wanted to just to just kick off Dave um, mm. so uh, we had a we, we, we met up just recently on the Friday with Natasha. In, in the flesh, with the lovely Natasha. Natasha. Shout out to Natasha. Shout out to Natasha. She's, she's been on both uh, Into the Night and The Signal of Doom. Uh, we had a nice uh, a nice dinner there, uh, some Vietnamese, Dave, in Hornsby. That was uh, quite a nice little... Oh, it was lovely. Yeah. I was yeah. so damn hungry, dude. Like, And then and then it got past <laughs> Dave's bedtime at about 9.35, and I got a little bit sleepy at the table. But uh, yeah, it was a fantastic no, dinner, and it's always great to see you guys in person, man. Yeah, exactly. Look, I thought the, the conversation ran its course. It was great. It was, not, it was non-stop. It was firing all cylinders. Games, comics, it was, it was movies, great. TV... Red Hot Chili Peppers got a big mention, if you recall. And at one point, Natasha and I almost started breaking into song. You did. You know, getting excited about the Chili Peppers, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys were were in sync. Um, Really good with the Anthony Kiedis... Um, biography oh, yeah. as well. Uh, what was that? Also, Scar Buff- tissue and the- yeah, Buffy was a. Uh, I'm not sure what Flea's biography is called. Flea has just yep. put one out, and uh, Natasha could tell you what it is called. I haven't read it yet, but I definitely will read it. Yeah, uh, but that's just been put out. Scar tissue was Anthony Kikidis's one that he put yeah. out like yeah. oh, 10, 12 years ago, yep. which is well worth a read. Um, yeah, right. And, and also, Ray, yes. um, I'm on my new uh, microphone and mixer, man. 
Exactly. Well, that's so what I'm I wanted rolling to, around. Yeah, that's a, that's another you know point of um, conversation that we had. You've got a new rig. I can see it in front of me now. Yeah, we are video conferencing. It, yeah. um, you've got a boom mic. Uh, how do you find how do you find the mixer and everything? This is the next level of, of the signal. Loving it. Yeah, absolutely loving it. I recorded the show today mm-hmm. um, with a new mixer and new mic, and it was it was easy. And like I'm mm. not techie at all. Like as soon as it's complicated, mm. I need it to be kind of real, kind of simple, and then I'm okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I I went with it. Got good prices. Um, the Fantastic. guys at uh, Tomorrow Music Shop, Tomorrow Music Shop, helped me out big time. Mm-hmm. I was very very happy. And um, yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm. I, I feel like I've only scratched the surface, but I recorded a full show. The, the audio was really quite very clear, and um, yeah, I'm just excited. And the best thing is, the reason I got it is yeah. because I bought a new laptop, I can now have people in my office, and we can all record off the mixer, so I can have like up to four people um, in here. That's and that's why I got it, so that I could have the likes of you, the likes mm-hmm. of um, Natasha, mm-hmm. etc., a stew, they can come around and we can we can be in the same room if we want to be. You know, yeah. that's why I got it. And look, you don't go half measures as well, Dave. I just want to. I mean, Dave has gone all out road mics as well. They're they're top of the line. Yeah. They're they're fancy stuff, and you are sounding silky smooth, Dave. So, um, oh, fantastic, fantastic. The mixer. I, I can't wait to to pop over. I think we've got something. Oh, you, we'll love cooking. to have you. We'll love to have you. And by yeah. the way, I I've broken a song a couple of times on the solo show. A couple of times I just broken a song, and I've got a bad voice, but it was coming through. Nice and clear, man. Oh, like man. you know me when yeah. I start talking. When you start talking by yourself after a while, you're sort of like, yeah. "This is this spoken word's getting a little dull." Let's break into some song. <laughs> and I started breaking into some Bob Dylan at one point, man, to well, elucidate know, a point. Th- that's why you got the mixer, Dave, as well. So you can actually, you know, you can you can twiddle the um the the bass, the treble, yeah. the middle, and and you can sound like you can sound like Bob. Yeah, that's, that's wow. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so no, that's really cool. Very exciting. Uh, look, the only thing for me at the moment, rig wise, um, I'm just looking for a pop filter. I think you can buy one from right. China for three dollars. So that, that's that's where my budget right. is. is I don't even know what a pop filter is, dude. Like I know nothing. Like what, <laughs> what's a pop filter? It's a little um, foam thing that you put on top of the the microphone or the the shield that you put in front of it. So when you oh. say peas. And when you pronounce P's, right. it doesn't pop. Like, it doesn't... Um, you oh. know that the rush of air goes into the mic and you get that kind of annoying sound if you're listening to it? Uh, it, yeah, it just I kind think of, my other microphone might have one of, of them on yeah. it. Yeah, it, know, it, it other, did. It my did. old one. Yeah, it did. You've got the pop filter. So it just it spreads the air so it doesn't make a poppy sound. Um, so that's, I just like this boom mic. I think I feel real professional with it. Like, I move it around. Yeah. It was on one of Michelle's shows. This guy was doing a podcast, and he had this boom mic. And she's like, you should get one of those. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I damn well should. <laughs> well, like, yeah. it's time to take the signal up a fucking notch. Well, you have. You know? It's good as well. So it's on a. It's on like a boom. I can see it here, which is good. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's not. It's shock resistant, right? So it doesn't impact if you hit the desk or something. No, um, no, no vibrations. I haven't tried it, man. I haven't punched the desk in anger or anything. Or done oh, anything good, I'm like, sure you would have done that in the summer. I'm ready to day. fucking roll, man. Bring on Conan and Moon Knight, dude. <laughs> I'm ready to fucking go on these guys. Hang, hang on, guys. I know Jesus you, you're, you're kind of like you're like a horse at the at the gates, you know, um, at the races. <laughs> I am. What? I'm ready to run the race, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to run the race. <laughs> Okay, we're, we're you know we're going to get there, Dave. We're going to get there. The um the first okay. thing I wanted to say first off, white noise. Yes. Our news segment. Um, only one bit of news, Ooh. but it is quite significant. Uh, this was released, yeah. I believe, just today. Kevin Feige mentions that uh, the TV shows by Disney Plus, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She Hulk, will be ready by the end of twenty twenty. So this is a lot earlier than what everyone was thinking. Now the problem is though, he did say we'll be ready. So I guess it doesn't mean. 
the show will be premiering. It could oh, yeah, just yeah. it could mean yeah. that the casting and production pre production is all done. But um, exciting news, nevertheless, Dave. Um, uh, you, you, I know you're a big Miss Marvel Definitely. fan. Um, you can't wait to see that one. Not at all. Um, <laughs> Miss Marvel. Um, oh, I appreciate she's popular, but I'm not a fan. But I am a big fan of Moon Knight. I'm a big She-Hulk fan. She-Hulk, yeah, that. I'm really great. looking. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to the Moon Knight show and the She-Hulk show. Mm-hmm. And Miss Marvel's not for me, but that's not to say it won't be won't be a big hit. I know Miss Marvel's you know caused a lot of waves in recent years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to all to, to basically. Well, I'm look, I'm, look, I'm I'm looking forward to all three, but I yeah. myself will definitely watch Moon Knight and She Hulk. Yeah. I think She Hulk is an excellent character. I'm surprised She Hulk hasn't been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before yeah. now. Uh, agreed, and I can't wait to, to see a TV show. What what popped out for me for this um, particular article, Dave, was that I always thought that Miss Marvel would come first, and then Moon Knight, and then She Hulk. That's how it was presented in D twenty three. Uh, it looks like they'll all be ready at the same time, so we could potentially get an influx of of shows all at once. You know, are these all on Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah, but I think they'll be released cool. weekly. So I don't think they're doing the whole binge thing, but you'll potentially get all three right. shows available at once. So um, I think so, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting if they inter interweave with each other as well so um, I don't know well, well, well I could see I mean she hawks a lawyer so I yep. could see her having a lot of crossover appeal in any show she wants to be in yep. I'm really fascinated by who they're going to cast as she hulk mm. uh, will she be green all the time like in the comics traditionally I know she hulks out but most of the time she's just she hulk like yep. she is she's the same you know yeah I, so yeah. At least in the comics I've read, you know. Yeah, I I think there's no way they can get around it. I mean, She-Hulk is She-Hulk. It's like kind of... I don't think they can, um, you know, make it grounded. uh, You know what I mean? Like, um, look look at Hulk. They didn't do anything to him. He's green and he's big. I think they're going to have to make She-Hulk big and green as well. Um, I hope so. I don't yeah. want them to ground it. I'm sick of them grounding yeah, everything. Yeah. Fuck well, being grounded. Like that was Netflix, you know, so that, really. that that might be the uh, gone with the dodos. You know what I mean? So um, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. But uh, that that's the only bit of news. I've got a me. news item, Ray. I've oh, got a news do? item. Yeah, sure. Um, it comes from d- my sources. Re- remember that my source. I didn't reveal the source on um Signal of Doom, but I broke the news on Signal that there's apparently rumors from my sources mm-hmm. that. Netflix characters are going to transition over to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Remember right. That? Remember that? Yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. Source? That came down the pipe, man. That's from deep inside the fucking organisation, by the way. So that's, Deep inside, like real deep cover. So that's um, that's Charlie Cox, uh, Kristen Ritter. We're talking about those actors. I mean, the, yeah. the characters. Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Daredevil, Jessica Jones. There's talk that they will be included in other Marvel you know, properties yeah. now. But I've yeah. heard, I heard that. Like I said, dude, yeah. that, a lot of Botha spies died for that information. You know what I'm right. saying? Like right. that was that that le- that leaked out of Marvel HQ and came to the signal in the dead of night. Wow! Basically. So a couple of a uh, couple of alleyways and uh, bullets to the back of the head there, right? For some informants. Maybe a bit of cash was exchanged. Oh, I, yeah. I won't go Maybe into details, well. man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Well, there you go. Um, that, that I'd love to see Daredevil. Mix it with Spider Man, with Moon right. Knight. I love to see Punisher mix Definitely. it with, with uh, Moon Knight. Hell yeah! Um, those Hell guys yeah. have Dude, always like, yeah. How many times have we talked about Marvel Knights, Ghost Rider, oh, Moon yeah. Knight, Punisher? Dude, we've spoken about this like a lot of the time. And yep. if it was if it was the Moon Knight, whoever's going to play Moon yeah. Knight, uh, John Berthnall as as Punisher, and whoever's going to play Ghost Rider, putting them together in a Marvel Knight show, yep. dude. 
I, I'd, I'd be so fucking happy, basically, if they mm. could do that. You know, like, I, like, my life mission may well have been achieved at that point. Yeah. You know? We, we have spoken at, about it so many times. They've, I, I feel like they've actually yeah. made it already. I mean, that's how, how many, many times we've spoken about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember my one where Ghost Rider picks him up at the airport? Certainly do. <laughs> yeah. And Stu's like, now he's an Uber driver. And I'm like, that's well, right. he needs to earn a craft. Like... Yeah. And they need someone to, to light a ciggy off Ghost Rider's face. You know, that's, um, we all exactly, need that. Man. We all need yeah. that. Anyway, so that's a, that's the news bit. Um, it's very short, short and sharp. These cool. days, Moon Knight, is, there's not much happening. Um, but interesting to know about the Netflix stuff. Now, with our spectacle, Dave, this is a spectacle which yeah. is Looney's is a shout out um, to, to things and uh, to Looney's and to um, to you, Dave, um, that we'd yeah. like to kind of promote. And uh, so you are from the Signal of Doom, Dave. If if any of the listeners haven't yeah. heard of you or your show yet, um, tell yeah. us a bit about it's it. It's time. It's time to get mm-hmm. involved. Look, uh, Signal of Doom is a comic book and comic book movie podcast that I run. Um, I've got a few regular co-hosts. Stu was a co-host for like a couple of years, good friend of mine. Connor's come on board now. Uh, Ray, you've been on before. Yep. We've got Jimmy Tozas coming in from the States on a semi-regular basis. Drew Geraci, Chuck Dixon's been on three times. Mike Barron's been on. I mean, talks with other creators yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a weekly show that I do. It's a hell of a lot of fun to do. Um, and like, I, we have a good time. It's a pretty sarcastic take at times, but... Other times it gets fucking deep, and most of the time it's not deep. But I, I have a new Patreon as well now, mm-hmm. so that like people are always like, could we possibly support you? And for two years, I thought, you know, what's the point? But then I thought, you're okay, because, like, you know, for hosting fees and getting the new mics mm-hmm. and everything, and I'm really thankful to those people who've joined the Patreon. So um, uh, Signal of Doom, it's Patreon. No, it's Signal of Doom slash Patreon, I think. is. It. But anyway, on Patreon it's called Signal of Doom, yep. and you can... Uh, going there and and oh, let me tell you ray i really am and i do special episodes mm-hmm. we've got a thing called cinema of doom where we're doing movie reviews on the patreon like and i do that with my friend dion mm-hmm. um we've also got a new segment coming flashbacks where myself and adam the computer crouch are going to be doing a whole host of um flash trades from mike barron's run into mark wade's mm-hmm. run into jeff johns's run we're going to do a trade by trade called flashbacks fantastic so plenty of stuff on at signal of doom both in the regular show and on the patreon so i'd highly encourage anyone um to come at least check us out yep. and we, we we love having feedback and stuff so we're, we, we really like to involve the listeners yeah. and um have a good time basically is the key mission of signal yeah fantastic and and of course listeners uh the all this information the signal of doom podcast and their patreon page will be available in our show notes just check the links down below for that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a patron. Right. Yeah, I'm a patron of uh, Signal of you Doom. I'm a regular listener. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love it when it. Well, you know, back in the old days with Stu, when it gets heated, that's Stu. when. Uh, oh yeah. That's when things sizzle. Well, Stu was supposed to be on this week. Stu was right. supposed to be on this week, but he had the sniffles. I'm calling him Mister Sniffles. Um, <laughs> yeah, me and Stu, we're old friends. We played tennis together for a long time. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I mean, look, there's yeah. a lot of respect there. But like, I mean, he likes to throw some bombs my way too. It's not all one way traffic. You know thought, what I'm saying? I like, know. He throws some major bombs my way. Remember IG88? People thought we came to blows. We were both relaxing in our chairs, just sniping at each other with these comments. Eventually I had to say, well, let's just move the fucking topic.
Polygon's true. <laughs> like after about 45 minutes of fucking arguing about IG88's voice, yeah, I yeah. said, next fucking topic. Yeah. Like- <laughs> that's it. That's it. Sometimes you just have to nip it in the bud and, and move on. But no, it's a nice rapport. You guys are, are good friends. So, um, you know, you can afford to do stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, it, is, it does make it lively. It does make it a good listen. So check it out. Uh, I'm a Patreon member as well. Um, I do love to support my, my podcasts. Um, the podcast that I listen to, and Dave, of course, Signal of Doom, one of the fellow collective members, uh, such as ourselves. Mm. Uh, speaking of Patreon, shout out to Dave, the collective man. Shout out to shout the collective out, dude. Shout out to the collective inner demons man. I am not your target demographic, etc. It goes on. <laughs> it goes on. We yeah. We that, are Venomaniacs. We are Venomaniacs. <laughs> We're slowly growing as well. The collected edition, Thanos and, and Warlock podcast. There's plenty out there for everyone. Oh, we'll give a little plug lots. towards the end of the show as well for them. Oh, um, I got a bit excited. That's okay. That's okay. But speaking of Patreon um, as well, now listeners, those that have read the our weekly newsletter um, would also have heard that yeah, I've been dabbling with the idea of Patreon as well. So I'll be rolling it out next year. Um, I've pretty much completed the the page and the tiers and 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 the goals and stuff. So cool. that's all set up. Um, I'll roll it out in the new year, uh, similar to you, Dave. I mean. Um, doing it for a couple of years but what I thought I mean I'm always up for developing and um, making the show better you know and and you, sure. you, you just need funds to do that you know so um, oh, yeah. to, to you know to have more um, data you know more quota every month to create more shows yeah. or to um, to give prize giveaways to, to have interviews all that kind of takes a bit of money um, and happy to happy to fund it but um, you know I want to see if the show is self-sustaining now, pretty much like you. It's it's a, a bit of a yeah. testing the waters as well. So, um, yeah. well, I think I think you'll find that your um your you know your diehard supporters out there mm-hmm. are kind of quite eager, really. Mm. Like, and and in fact, a lot of people had reached out to me asking me if they could do it beforehand. And to be honest, Stu and I had discussed it several times. It was pure sort of laziness on on our part. We hadn't done it, but then I I had a. a two weeks off on leave mm-hmm. and during one of those days I just sat down and set up the tiers it's all pretty easy on Patreon yeah. and, and it, it really it feels good to know these people out there it's the diehard supporters it's the guys and gals who are basically needing it maybe to get them through their work day yep. or whatever on their commute um, those people it, it's really cool that they reach out and um, yeah you know, support you. And, um, I mean, why the hell wouldn't they, Ray? You are the world's authority on Moon Knight, dude. You were in a Moon Knight comic. So, I mean, you're basically a celebrity. I haven't been written into a comic yet. No one's writing me in. I said to Chuck Dixon, I'm willing to be a corpse. I said, I'm willing to be a corpse. <laughs> and I think he, he was like, I know. <laughs> I know, you're very desperate, Dave. We, 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 you're hungry. I like it. I like that about you, kid. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, That's you are good. in Moon Knight, like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You are the tippy top, basically. Well, you, you yeah. are what people come to. So, I mean, also as well, you know, if you do love your podcast, there are plenty of ways to support podcasters. I mean, we let's face it, we we take our um, it's our free time. We do it, we do it because we love it. Um, sure. And and so, like, there are many ways you can you can spread the word around. So you don't have to become a Patreon member, but it certainly. It certainly is kind of heartwarming. Sure? <laughs> <laughs> it is heartwarming, actually. Now, do you remember when I, yeah. when, I, when I offered half an hour of my time in the, in the food court? I said, oh, for 25 bucks, I'll give you half an hour of me in the food court. 
I've heard that offer still open to listeners. Do you remember this? Like, it was based on that J. Scott Campbell guy who got oh, like yes, 500 yeah, bucks. You yeah, could come yeah, and have yeah, lunch yeah. with him. Right. And I said, for 25 minutes, I'll yeah. give you half an hour in the food court. Just one on one conversation. Yeah. $25 cash. Oh, you know God. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stu me for it, but the offer is still open, kids. I'd do 25 bucks. I'd, I'd do it as well, you know? <laughs> you know, you can buy a lot with 25 bucks. Well, why not? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. You walk away, I've got 25 bucks. They've they've had half an hour of my time. Mm. Everyone's a winner. Everyone is everyone is a winner, Dave. <laughs> um, so there you go. So Patreon, um, th- those are the ideas um, coming this way. Uh, also, I'd like to mention a final thing for the spectacle. A bit of a shout out to Wally Monk, who hosts the Paint mm. Monk Library. Now, again, this is something that we will be rolling out uh, in the new year. So ITK have uh, are in association now with. Paint Monk Library, and we are undertaking uh, reviews, doing reviews of all the Moonlight comics uh, in article form on their website. So Wally's a big Moonlight fan. He approached, That's cool. yeah, he approached us. He asked if we wanted to write the reviews. I said, yep. Um, a big thank you also to um, some loony. So we've already got a, a little army of writers, Dave. So a big shout out to Justin, okay. Harrison, and Russell. Uh, these are loonies. A big, a big thanks to you guys and myself. All four of us will be undertaking the reviews. And if loonies, if you want to write a review as well, just hit us up. I'm always looking for for writers. Again, it's all volunteer. It's just for love, uh, the love of it. Um, but we're starting. I've got a question. Yes. Am, am I right in saying that it's you were telling me this over dinner? Mm-hmm. It's literally the whole history of Moon Knight. Yeah, You're is. starting from the beginning. Am I right? Absolutely. From 1975, Werewolf by Night, 32. All the way up to wow. the current run, so that's um, just under. It would be about under four hundred issues to to cover. Um, that's that's a, that's a cool concept, man. I like yeah. that you're doing that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so one a week. So from January first, already the first um, review's been written by Russell. Good on you, Russell. Um, and what did he give it? What did he give it out of ten? Oh, I haven't. I haven't so read it. Like four out, four out of ten. Not much promise. No, <laughs> I think I think he gave four out of five. I think from memory. Um, but okay. uh, but it's it's already done. It's going to roll out January first. So a big shout out to paintmonklibrary.com. That's paintmonklibrary.com. That will be in the and, show. And notes. I myself am familiar with Wally mm. Monk. He has Conan connections, ironically enough. And and I bumped into him on the internet a few weeks ago. He he reached out to me, and, and I'm getting a Conan historian to come on the show. Oh right, uh, onto signal like nice in the future. But we're 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 in negotiations. We're locked in talks. Yep. But it's uh, it's such a coincidence because. I just happened to sort of bump into him, like, yeah. randomly because of my Conan love, you know? Yeah, he seemed like a nice bloke. We've been chatting online, uh, and he knows your stuff. He used to be a, um, to work at a newspaper. He was an editor there, so he's got the, uh, right. you know, he's got the the, um, the backing and, and the skills for that. Uh, and so just a little quick cool. shout-out. So Justin, is a, they're all they're all these guys are big Moon Knight fans. Justin uh, does a bit of writing as well. He's actually released a novel. They'd want to be. They, they'd want to be Moon Knight fans at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Otherwise, they're going to struggle. Through four hundred issues. Yeah, well, uh, I think Harrison and Russell, and I think Justin. I'm not sure, but they've got nearly all the Moon Knight appearances, or all the Moon Knight comics. So cool. they uh, they That's know cool. their, they know their shizzle. Uh, Justin is a is a writer himself. He's done reviews, prose. He's done a novel. Um, Russell is an aspiring writer, fictional writer. Um, he's got every Moon Knight solo comic, uh, and Harrison uh, he's pretty much read every Moon Knight um, thing as well. 
uh, so he's keen on writing. So big shout out, guys. So thank cool. you very much, and and keep your eyes out for that, loonies, uh, for more Moon Knight stuff on Paint Monk Library. And I want to make a comment here, Ray. I yes. just noticed your jersey that you're wearing is a, you. looks like a West Tigers jersey. It's a Balmain Tigers. Am I right? The old the old Balmain Tigers. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, a lot of my family are big. Big Balmain fans. Oh, and right. So I just noticed that then, actually. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They're, they're still living Leichhardt and stuff, so oh, they're, right. they're heavy into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm born and bred um, Balmain Tigers fan, so. Um... Probably won't mean a lot to our Finnish and Swedish and, <laughs> and Mongolian, Mongolian listeners, <laughs> but uh, for the Australian listeners based in Sydney who follow the NRL, yes. it will mean something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And for those listeners, you'll know that I, I suffer as a fan. Um, not doing too well. It's been it's a long way between drinks, hasn't it, Ray? It certainly has. certainly has. Um, <laughs> anyway, loony listeners, we are crawling towards it. And now we've reached our, our little segment, Dave, uh, Conan Primer. Okay. So I'm going to lean on you heavily okay. here, Dave. Um, so if if I were a, a loony fan, and I did not know yes. anything about Conan other than the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, um, give me a pitch on, on Conan and, and what he kind of, what does he do, what do you, you know, what is he, who is he? Sure, look, Conan uh, the Barbarian, as the name says, he's a barbarian who comes from Simura, I think mm-hmm. is how you pronounce it, in the far north of the of Hyboria, it's called, which mm-hmm. is like the continent, I believe. It's in ancient times, so it's, it's basically like he is created by Robert E. Howard and he is like an adventurer who comes from the north and travels through the south and he's a mercenary, a thief, a pirate and eventually a king okay. and also a general and stuff like that. And he it's classic sword and sorcery world that he's in mm-hmm. and Conan just rolls around. He's like Arnie looked a lot like the Conan... Like if you think of Arnie as Conan... Yep. Like... Visually, that's the best kind of Conan. He's big, he's beefy, he enjoys his women, his wine, his money, killing. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of got a good heart tucked away underneath like a lot of, lot of not even bravado, just a lot of like muscle, basically. Yeah. He's, he's, he, he really, and his, his career stretches from the very early days when he was kind of a thief, but he was already kind of more of a sort of brawler of a thief. Yeah. And then he becomes a mercenary and a, a wandering sword, basically. Yeah. And eventually becomes part of, like, in all the stories that Robert E. Howard wrote, he, he becomes a general, and yep. then eventually he kills the king of a major empire, beheads him, becomes king. Right. And that is his destiny uh, at the at the end of his life. By the end of his life, he will be king. And he kind of knows that prophecy. Mm-hmm. But Conan is a man, they say, of gigantic uh, mirth and uh, gigantic melancholy. But most of the time, he's a pretty fun-loving guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got quite a fatalistic view of life. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Dixon wrote him very well during Savage Sword days, and uh, he always wanted money for the flesh pots of the South. And Chuck said, "Yeah, it's not a guy who ever thought he was going to retire. Yeah, you yeah. know, he he lives for the next moment. He's a cool character. Mm-hmm. His world, I've said on the show, is as exciting as Lord of the Rings world. Mm-hmm. But yet, he's such a vital character. He he is good." But he's more mercenary. Yeah. Like, he's motivated by money. He will do things out of the goodness of his heart, but it kind of goes against his instincts. He really is motivated by cash. Mm. Um, he has a love for women. If he gets any cash, he's generally spending it with, like, at least two or three whores <laughs> and having a lot of fun. He likes his wine. Many a Conan story starts with him waking up in bed with a massive hangover from the night before. Right. Um, he loves brawling. Yeah. He's, a, he's a cool character, basically. Um, he's one of my favourite characters in fiction. Yep. Um, I've got some recommendations if you want me to read them out well, for, like, stories and stuff. Yeah, just hang on. So, um, so Conan, though, so sure. how, did, how did he get so good with the sword? Is that just through, his, through 
um, constant fighting. Born or? on a battlefield. Right. Born on a battlefield, my friend. The, mm-hmm. the Sumerians, where he comes from, Sumeria is a very harsh land. Think of like the Vikings, but before they became the Vikings, mm-hmm. so when they were in the frozen north, yeah. Yeah? yeah? So everyone there is like a hunter and stuff. So he was literally born on a battlefield. Right. And um, he was taught fighting from a very young age. I mean, I, I you know, a lot of it's been kind of filled in yeah, for, in comics sure. and stuff. But basically, he was he was born he was born to fight. Yep. So when he eventually left Samaria at a yeah. pretty young age, probably about fifteen or so, if yeah. not earlier, yeah. he um he was already a fighter. And then he plied his trade south of Samaria, right. down in like all the different kingdoms that make up the the land of Haboria, yep. which Robert E. Howard created. And and. Is um are the Sumerians like just as good uh, at fighting as him? Are they like a warlike race? Well, yeah, they are warlike. They're, they're kind of like Vikings, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're a sort of tribal people. Um, they have a god Krom, who mm-hmm. is basically a very indifferent god. Like Conan's a real fatalist. Mm-hmm. Like um, he's probably in terms of Sumerians, he's one of the toughest yeah. ever. You know, he's the legend. Yep. But um, yeah, he comes from a harsh people. Like who live up there, like, it's a harsh life. Yep. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he generally isn't there. He does occasionally return there, and there's some stories. Yep. But he he's viewed as a barbarian by the people from the south. But Conan's not dumb. Mm. He He's actually quite cunning, and um, yep. it's just people always think he's stupid because he's so big, yep. and he's he really prefers fighting. Yes. But, um... I wouldn't describe him as highly intelligent, but he's quite cunning. Yes, you know, and, and he's and he's for all intents a human being, right? He has no mystical or extra. Powers. Oh yeah, he's human. No, he's yeah. human. Yeah, yeah. He's human, um, completely human. He hates magic, and he's suspicious of magicians. Mm. Like so many of his plot lines revolve around magicians and stuff like that, like mm. mad wizards and stuff that he has to kill. So he deeply distrusts magic. He he, he trusts his sword mm-hmm. and his axe. Yep, you know. And uh, that's basically what he trusts most in life. Yeah, look, I was just reading some of Savage Sword, um, you know, a few days ago, and a little example of that loonies is um, he was riding on horseback, and he's got this other guy in tow, and uh, he comes across a guy that wants to fight him, and the guy behind him chucks a sword through his forearm, disabling him. Right, and the guy thinks, "Oh, I got him now, like he's weakened." Not so with Conan. What he does, uh, he he jumps off his horse, he he picks up an axe, and with his other hand. He um, basically he massacres the horse that the guy was on, and the guy falls down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's quite gory, quite bloody. Um, but yeah, he's a, a tough nut to beat, um, Conan. Um, Dave, we- yeah, and yep. and look, a, cl- a trope in his stories mm. is generally quite often he'll get beaten by like a mass of people. That's mm-hmm. generally, and he'll get caught. Like there's the famous uh, example where he's crucified, right? Um, and and that happens quite a lot in Conan's stories. Like he yeah. eventually will get worn down. He's not unbeatable, no, but it just takes a hell of a lot, you yeah. know. Yeah, I've, I've seen. Well, the ones that I've read, I've seen he's been knocked out and, and overwhelmed a couple of times. Yeah. So he can be, you know, he can. Oh, be that bad. happens a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. and he, yeah. then he wakes up and then he escapes and yeah. then he causes havoc. Yeah. Um. So before actually, so recommendations then, Dave. Well, let's get to that before we talk um about Solomon Kane sure. and Dark Agnes. Um, Conan for people wanting to read Conan. What, what do, you, what do you recommend? Okay, well, first off, mm-hmm. I've got to recommend the Robert E. Howard original Conan prose stories. They're available as reasonably priced collection editions. Mm-hmm. These are as fundamentally brilliant and long-lasting and timeless as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes stories. Fantastic. They're fantastic. It's how I got into Conan probably 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I picked it up. And I, I, I knew who Conan was from the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'd seen his comics around. So I, I, I kind of knew in broad strokes what the character was. Yep. I picked up the Robert E. Howard book. All his Conan stories are quite available either online or or, or as a really kind of thick book. Mm-hmm. 
picked it up, started reading it, was so entranced by the world, the character. It made me a fan for life. Okay. Robert E. Howard was a brilliant writer, a brilliant, brilliant writer um, of, of like pulp action. And that's what Conan is. He's a pulp hero in the truest sense of the word. And that's when he's done well in comics, that's what they sort of like stick to, mm-hmm. that formula. Mm-hmm. It's a really – it's like I'd, so I'd recommend those pro stories. Pick them up. They're available very cheaply online or you can pick them up in nice book editions. Yep. Um, they are great. Then in terms of comics mm-hmm. – um, Conan has been written in comics for many years, but but Marvel picked it up in like 1970, mm-hmm. and they had Conan the Barbarian and Savage Sword of Conan, which is the black and white magazine running. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of my all-time favourites, Chuck Dixon's Savage Sword of Conan, which can be found in volumes 14 to 17 of the Dark Horse reprints, are incredible mm-hmm. and extremely strong Conan stories. Like they're page turners, mm-hmm. they're funny, they're fun. There's heart, there's violence. There's lots yeah. of stuff going on. Conan's world's very busy and packed. Can I also just Roy say... Roy Thomas's... Oh, sorry, sorry yeah. I can also just say, because I think I've got the volume 15, um, and the artwork is yes. just fantastic. I think it's... Is it Ernie Chan? He does a really good Conan. Er, Ernie Chan yeah. and Gary Kasperwitz yep. um, was also one of Chuck's collaborators. You're both are brilliant. Yeah, very good. And, and look, lots of Conan has got brilliant art, like yep. Big John Buscema. Yep. Uh, drew a lot of Conan and that's my next recommendation mm-hmm. Roy Thomas who was kind of like the Marvel Shepherd of Conan Roy yeah. was a really really big Conan fan mm-hmm. uh, and really kept the character alive for many years his Savage Sword run with John Bashema, for example is landmark yeah. uh, so I'm going kind of going in order Chuck's at the top mm-hmm. for me yep. Roy Thomas's uh, Savage Sword run they're collected in phone size book editions from Dark Horse mm-hmm. And they're now being reprinted because Marvel reacquired the rights to Conan January 1, 2019. Mm-hmm. So they're now reprinting all the original Conan the Barbarian from the 70s in big omnibuses form. Both the Conan Barbarian comic, which was comic book, comic code approved mm-hmm. and hence less violent, and Savage Sword, which is a black and white magazine and is my favourite, mm-hmm. which was way more adult. It had like nudity, violence, mm-hmm. you know, not super graphic, no. but just... Conan's world is a very adult world. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's 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 a mature world. Um, or a teenage boy world, maybe some would say. <laughs> but anyway, so Roy Thomas's um, Savage Sword Run, which I'm reading from the beginning, is fantastic. These omnibuses are, are just great. Okay. And then I do want to point out Kurt Busiak's 50-issue Conan run at Dark Horse mm. was landmark. Dark Horse picked up the Conan license in around, around roughly 2000, you know, yep. around that period. And they did a really good job in shepherding the franchise, and Kurt Busiak's 50-issue run of Conan is great. Okay. And there's also other really excellent periods of Conan throughout the Dark Horse run. And they're now being reprinted by Marvel in epic collections. Yeah, they're up great. to Volume 3 now. Yep. Um, and I would recommend you get those. So really, that's a pretty broad picture. Yeah. Robert E. Howard, Chuck Dixon's Savage Sword, Roy Thomas's Savage Sword, and then you can also check out Roy Thomas's uh, normal kind of the barbarian as well, yep. and then you've got the Kerbusiak run, which I consider fantastic. Um, and it's just a really, really like what they basically do is at times they directly ad- ad- adapt the uh, Robert E. Howard stories, mm-hmm. and then what they also then do sometimes is Robert E. Howard was a very prolific writer. He wrote for magazines back in like the thirties. And so they've actually adapted a lot of stories that he did for other characters that weren't Conan and put them into Conan stories. Okay. That was something they did as well. So, because Robert E. Howe was extremely prolific. Yeah. He, he unfortunately killed himself quite young. Oh, how old? Uh, how but old? he was a very successful writer. I would have... 
I, I'm, I'm guessing like mid to late thirties. Oh, wow. He was he his mother died, mm-hmm. and I think he had like depression and uh, stuff. He was a friend of um, H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, okay, they they exchanged letters. Oh, right. H.P. Lovecraft's um, Cthulhu actually pops up in early Conan. Oh wow! Because H.P. Lovecraft, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was very into allowing um, his concepts to be used by other writers, yeah. and he was they were good friends. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, he, Cthulhu pops up in um, you know, like. Early Conan stories yep. for sure. Well, I'm very interested, like Rogue in the House, I think's one. Yeah, I'm very interested in the um, going back to the the progenitor, the the actual novels, as you're saying. So, um, oh, they're great, Robert E. Howard. And look again, Dave. I'm going to have to grab that list off you and put them in the show notes as well. Um, so, learners, sure. you can reference sure. to that easy. And speaking of Robert E. Howard, Dave, then um, Solomon Kane yeah. and Dark Agnes, who we'll see in the comic that we're reviewing. Um, have, have you come across them much in your readings? Of, do, do, do they cross with Conan a lot, or are they just separate characters? No. Okay, okay. They're separate characters. And, and, and look, Robert E. Howard wrote a ton of short stories. Mm-hmm. So he had... Conan was his most popular. Okay. But, for example, Cull, King Cull was one of his... Was sort of predate, predates Conan. Mm-hmm. And he said in the same world, but thousands of years before. Solomon Kane, I am familiar with him. I have mm-hmm. read one or two Solomon Kane stories, and we'll read more. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like a Puritan character. He's exactly like, actually, in the comic we're about to do. Mm-hmm. He's like this kind of like hard-hitting kind of Puritan guy with these pistols, and he just goes around mm. dispatching evil. Yep. Um, a, a really cool character, and very kind of black and white yeah. is his world. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whereas Conan's kind of a bit more relaxed. Conan kind of like knows when to give and stuff. Yeah. Like he's got Conan's got a very kind of like... Uh, easy going almost attitude to life yeah, you know what yeah. I mean like life is fickle to Conan yeah. kind of thing enjoy it while you can well I like, uh, I like Solomon Kane is a lot more hardcore yeah I, I like the aesthetic of Solomon Kane um, it just he, mm. he just is you know his gear he looks pretty he's very distinct um, and uh, we see in the comics it's a great visual yeah and we'll see later on he's, he's a, a guy with a sword as well um, 16th mm. century as well so we're talking you know quite a far way way back Oh, yeah, Robert E. Howard did a lot of historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favourite Robert E. Howard um, stories is Hawks of Outrim- Outrimmer, mm-hmm. which was um, the, in the Crusades, okay. and an Irish crusader who came over. And he, Yeah, Robert E. Howard really he loved historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Like he, He's one of the best writers of all time in that genre. He's probably slightly underrated because yeah. people only associate him with Conan. He actually is a fantastic storyteller, and you can pick his stories up on... Amazon on Kindle for like 99 cents because they're public domain. Oh, fantastic. And so you can get really, you can get like massively good deals on Robert E. Howard stories. He's a fantastic writer. Uh, Dark Agnes, I haven't actually read before, but I've, I know her backstory. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, the character of Red Sonia. Mm-hmm. Red Sonia was a character that, um, in name, Robert E. Howard created, but Roy Thomas actually took the Red Sonia sheet of the sword that we know and, and did his own spin on it. Oh, okay. But I think Dark Agnes was one of... Yeah, so I think Dark Agnes... I mean, so it's, it's credited to Robert E. Howard's estate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but Roy Thomas, and, and probably other people outside of Roy Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, really worked on the character and made her a, a very substantial character in her own right. Yes. She's still got uh, comics She's, that run now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think Dark Agnes was one of the inspirations that Roy Thomas took. So he, he what, the, what a lot of the writers did, and Roy Thomas kind of basically plundered the whole Robert E. Howard library, mm-hmm. they take stories like a Hawks of Outroamer and convert it into a Conan story. Okay. They do that kind of thing because mm-hmm. they were looking for material. Yeah. Um, and Robert E. Howard gave them so many good historical fiction stories to do that with. Wow. So many writers, not just Roy Thomas, have done that like in prose as well. Yep. And so do you know like much about 
uh, Dark Agonist? What's her deal? Is she is she like a pirate or something, uh, or what is she? Like a... she's uh, she look. I know the broad strokes yeah, in yeah. that she was a character who was going to be betrothed to someone she didn't like, okay. and potentially I think may have been raped, and then she escaped, mm-hmm. and um, and then sort of fought, you know made her own way as a swordswoman kind of oh, thing. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, and I think she has a partner. I haven't actually read the stories, but I, I sort of know the, the broad stroke. So she she escaped a bad situation yep. and then really trained, I think, with a master swordsman or something okay. and became, like, this badass. Yep. So she's a badass, basically. Yep. Um, and, and, and I'm definitely going to read more of it, like, for sure. Yeah, and, and so, again, um, probably silly question. Solomon Kane, Dark Agonist, um, they're just humans as well, right? They're just normal... Just fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah they're no... just humans. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. did Robert E. Hitt... They fight evil things. Yeah. They, I think Solomon Cain fights like dark forces uh-huh, a lot. Uh-huh. So they fight against evil and magic and all that kind of stuff. Like Conan fights magic all the time, yeah. but he hates magic. Yeah, yeah. You know? And Solomon Cain, from what I know of him, he has like a super, like fucking super, super, like Christian pure in view of the world. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, the darkness can burn in hell kind of thing. Yeah. Like, that's kind of his deal. Oh, right. Okay. No, I mean, interesting to hear, and, and Looney's, um, you know, we're getting to it now, the review. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, how they all interact with our boy Moon Knight. But, um, no, thank you, Dave. Um, that's um, that's a really cool no little primer to, to, to Conan and to Dark well, Agnes and Solomon Kane. I'm no scholar of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm, I, I am very much a fan of it. But let me tell you, um, these... These writings by Robert E. Howard actually really influenced me as a writer mm-hmm. and inspired me. Not just influenced, but actually inspired me. Mm. Like, when the first time I started reading Conan, I was reading and thinking, oh, this will be okay. Mm. You know, and then I was like, this is fantastic. The, the world they paint, that Robert E. Howard paints, is so vivid. I can see why it spawned, like, so many novels yeah. and so many comics because it's such an expansive world. And really... Frankly, Robert E. Howard's other works outside of Conan are also really strong. Conan was just the one that hit really big. Right. But Cull, for example, is also Cull of Atlantis is also really strong. So Robert E. Howard is a major, major influence that writers like J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. mentioned, J- George R.R. R. Martin have mentioned. Many writers of like renown have mentioned the impact that um, Robert E. Howard had as a storyteller. Oh, fantastic! And, and Dave, actually, you just reminded me. Um, forgot to ask you to give a plug as well. Your your novels. Um, do you want to give a? Pl- oh, thanks, yeah. right? Well, the Demorn series, yeah, Demorn, uh, Blade of Exile, Demorn, City of Innocence, and Demorn Soulfighter is the most recent one. If anyone wants to check out kind of like hard hitting sci fi fantasy action starring a mercenary Demorn against the forces of evil, <laughs> um, you should check out Demorn Soulfighter, which is the most recent book. Um, it, they are a blast to write. I'm working on a new one now, cool. which has Demorn against this massive cult organization. It's pretty full on. Um, yeah, I won't even get into details, but let me just tell you, it starts with the world ending, Ray. Excellent. The new book starts with literally the world ending. A great way to kick things that's off. That's how the yeah. new book starts. <laughs> yeah, that's how it. That's how it kicks off. I told my dad, and he goes, "That's dark." Yeah, well, it's... and I go, "It gets darker." I go, "I said it gets darker," but she's got a very sarcastic view of life. Mm. And it likes to have a lot of fun. She's a great character, right? I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, no, I've got more plans for Demorn in the future. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there are three novels out now that you can pick up on Amazon through Kindle mm-hmm. or in paperback format for sure. Oh, there you go. So, listeners, again, once again, in the show notes, check it out. Um, it, it's a good yeah, – if you're into fantasy, Dave, you, you know, you're um, well-seasoned with, with that. You're comic book, um, you know, collector and reader, you know, your, your fantasy. Sure. It's all great. It's all good. Um, all right, Dave. I think this is thanks, man. 
Yeah, I think this is about time. We're going to go to a quick break, all right? And um, but when we come back, listeners, Dave and I will be stealing ourselves for this uh, first issue of Conan's Serpent War, which we'll be reviewing. Let's see how Mooney fares in this, and let's see how Conan fares in this. So uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I'm sure you know about the Capes and Lunatics podcast, but have you heard about the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast? It's a fun home for classic and new reviews of just about everything. We have the Ultimate Spider Cast, where we cover everything Spider-Man. The Quantum Zone, where we talk the classic Marvel character Quasar and do deep dives on the cosmic side of Marvel. We also have Comic Capers, where we cover everything old and new in comics. It could be anything, any company, any decade. And we also have our Media Mondays, where we cover some kind of TV show, be it a... Arrowverse uh, current hits or our summer specials where we do reviews of uh, classic episodes of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff Angel. So, if you're a fan of pop culture and media, you should really check it out. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 124, and we are doing a Lunapic new comic book review. We are doing Conan Serpent War 1, which features Moon Knight in it. And with me is special guest Dave Finn from The Signal of Doom. Dave, you've just given us a nice rundown of Conan. Here we go. We're going into this comic. And for listeners that haven't heard us before or first-time listeners... What we'll do is, um, after reading the credits, we'll go through our bare bones. The synopsis, Dave, is kind enough to read out the synopsis for us. Uh, We'll go through just some aspects. It's a bit of a freestyle conversation, ranging from the writing, the art, themes, characterizations, any references. Um, And we'll finish this off, Dave, with our moon rating system. Now, you can choose from either Mm. our vanilla rating system or our Connors, Connors shoes rating system. Both are mm. very good indeed. Thank you, Connor. Patent pending. Anyway, um, here we go. <laughs> Conan Serpent War number one, uh, written by Jim Zub, uh, art by Scott Eaton, Vanessa Del Rey, uh, and Stephen Segovia. Funnily enough, she related to Lana Del Rey. <laughs> well, we should ask her to, you know, to sing and see, see how she goes. Can she can she, can yeah. she hook me up? I, I love Lana Del Rey. Oh, yeah, she's very sure. she's very good indeed. Uh, She's a very, very good singer and very attractive lady. Yes. Um, I'm just trying to find... I thought I'd easily find the credits to this in the comic. Oh, here we go. It's right at the back. Um, And then we have Frank (laughs) Darmada as colorist, uh, Inca Scott Hanna, um, and we also have... uh, James Allison, uh, oh, sorry, so what am I saying? <laughs> That's from Vanessa Del Rey. We have um, also VCs Travis Lanham as letterer, uh, cover artists uh, Carlos Pacheco, Anika, and Frank Darmada. And we finally have our editor who is uh, editor in oh, um, 
Mark Basso. Basso. So with that, uh, sorry, also available as single issues or digital on Comixology or Kindle. Um, so, mm. Dave, would you be so kind as to let the Looney listeners know what issue one included for us? It would be my pleasure. A lone being named James Allison lies in bed, broken and forlorn, with nothing but his distant memories to comfort him. James Allison is no ordinary man, and as he edges toward what is seemingly his death, he recalls the countless lives he has led throughout the centuries, from barbaric adventures to gothic invasions and holy crusades. Allison is haunted by a being with serpent eyes, and it is this very being which seems to be Allison's reaper in disguise. The serpent being forces Allison to remember his sins and recall one of his past lives, a life as a man named Niord. It was as Niord that Allison came face to face with a serpent monster named Sather. After Niord discovers the beast has slaughtered half his tribe, Niord defeats the great snake, and it is this memory that is reminded to Allison from the voice in his head, the voice belonging to Set. Allison reaches out and transverses the universe and links up with a man named Moon Knight, a surfeit of Khonshu, and one susceptible to join Allison's cause. Allison's aim is to recruit a team to assist him in defeating the voice in his head, the voice that is compromising his immortal soul. So, with the help of Khonshu, Moon Knight is recruited. Others join shortly after, as Allison appears to be slowly assaulted by menacing tentacles. Solomon Kane is recruited from 16th century North of Cumberland. Cutthroat fighter Dark Agnes is lured into the quest after having been confronted with what appears to be black magic from a band of villagers in Pothneo Charentes. And finally, from the Haborian Age, Conan the Barbarian is afflicted with serpent visions after having battled an avatar of Set, the Great Serpent. His hallucinations draw him towards the call of Allison from beyond. As the four recruits become more entrenched in Allison's otherworldly influence through battles that they each find themselves, in a flash of brilliance, they mysteriously discover themselves paired up Moon Knight with Solomon Kane and Dark Agnes with Conan. By Allison's design, they've been brought closer together to be used as pawns for Allison's confrontation with the god of chaos, Set. Yes, there you go, Looney listeners. Thank you, Dave, for that uh, reading of right. the synopsis there. So, a very much a setup issue. Wouldn't you agree, Dave? Um, um, but I think one that was kind of successfully oh, done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I read it uh, a couple of days ago when it came out, and I read it just before I did the show, and I found that on a second reading it tied together probably better than a first reading. Yep. Um, it is a challenge with these comics, with these kind of team-up comics, to make it interesting, but I thought it was a pretty noble attempt, and how many issues is this uh, series? Do we know? Is it I, four? I, be- I believe it's four only, um, which will make it a pretty short one. Um, but yeah, it's, it um, will, and I yeah. feel that we're very cluttered with characters. Like, because mm. Conan brings his own weight, Solomon Kane brings his own weight. So does Dark Agnes. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's 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 good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it more the second time round. I actually marked my score up. I won't reveal the score yet, but I but I gave it an, an extra marking upwards when I read it the second time. Okay, as a fan of Robert E. Howard and these characters, um, it's successfully done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always feel Jim Zub, uh, very prolific writer, not great, um, mm-hmm. can be good, uh, overrated writer, um, but he's prolific and he's good at giving you five point five to six out of ten nearly every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't. He he's kind of stretched himself here a little bit, which I like. I liked. Um, one thing I want to point out is 
crossing planes in the house, that's Robert E. Howard's where he lived. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So James Texas, Allison's character, yeah. I reckon it would have been cooler to make that Robert E. Howard. Yeah. Uh, that was Robert E. Howard's character who's writing all those stories like James Allison was doing in this comic. Are, are you familiar um, that with... that was where he lived. Are you familiar with James Allison? Is he a character by Robert E. Howard? No. I'm not familiar with him, okay. but I did see some, some mention on the internet that he might have been a character that... Um, Robert E. Howard created as well. I guess we could go to Google to sort. I'm, I'm not. No. Okay. I thought he was kind of the point of view character. I think a braver decision would have been to have made that character Robert E. Howard. Yeah, that would be pretty frankly. cool. Like yeah. putting Grant Morrison in Alan, Alan, Animal Man. I think making Robert E. Howard would have been a real tribute to him. But I will say this: I, mm. I think it's a good issue. Yeah. I think it's got a lot of reverence for the past, um, for, for 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 the universes that Robert E. Howard created, and mm-hmm. I think it was pretty decent. Um, yeah. I've, I'm not a big fan of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hang on, second hang on, time we'll, around, the artwork was. Yeah, oh, sorry. Sorry, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So sorry. Oh no, oh. you're giving your thoughts, on that, which is which is good. Um, I wanted to to hang on that the writing though first day that you that you mentioned. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so no, that that that's um that's really cool. As you mentioned, uh, four issues. Yeah, I mean it is it is short. I think there is a different sense of economy here as well. But I think that Zub's actually managed to successfully. I mean, you couldn't do it in any less, could you? So he's actually taken what, no. a quarter of the the whole series already to introduce them, but you, you couldn't do it any less, you know. Um, I think he's done a no, a, definitely. Yeah, not. I think he's done a decent job as well. Um, mm. uh, I I enjoyed his his writing um, with the in the James Allison kind of portions of it. There seemed to be a lot more substance to that, um, which it could have easily mm. fallen into just um, just explaining, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. On a whole, writing-wise, the plot is very simple. It's basically a guy um, who's just... Super rec- simple. Yeah, he's just recruiting these four. So the whole point of this first issue is to get the four of them on board. Um, what does also make it interesting, I found, was this James Allison guy is... Uh, apparently, he's lived many lives. He's, like, immortal. Um, so... Yes. I'm intrigued by Njord, which is what they're fixating on for, for James Allison's thing. Um, and I just kind of want to know how he is... He is what he is, and and I think I really like the idea that you said of the Robert E. Howard because, you know, being the writer and the creator, it will kind of make sense yeah. that he's powerful within this universe because he's created them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you know what I think? I think that's just that's more proof today that modern comics are so afraid to take chances. Yeah, like Marvel yeah. comics suffer from what I call moral cowardice mm-hmm. and and creative cowardice, and that's once again here. It's just, it's just it just would take a little bit too much of a risk. That's yeah. all it would take. It would just mean that, like, for them to do that, they'd have to be pushing the boat out there a little bit. And that's what not what comics do these days in 2019. They just don't do it at the big two. Mm. And it's sad because that would have been a great yeah. opportunity to use Robert E. Howard. And the fact that Jim Zub was so proud of himself to, that it was, it was Robert E. Howard's house is cool. Yeah. But how much cooler would it have been to have been Robert E. Howard? I think as a fan that would have been a real... A real nice gesture for the fans. Yeah, basically. that would have been a really cool nod. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh. Um, and and sorry, Art Dave, sorry for cutting you off there earlier. Um, right. Art wise, so what did you think of art? That we have two distinct art art um, forms here: Vanessa Del Rey, and yeah. we have Scott Eaton. Um, well, I mean, I, Vanessa Del Rey may not want to link me up with a sister now because, <laughs> let me tell you, I didn't think too much of the art. I think it's quite static. It, look, it looks okay. Yeah. And if I looked at that as a still image, as, 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 as a one-shot panel, it looks okay. But in sequential storytelling, I didn't find the art was very good in conveying sort of drama and emotion. I just felt it was a bit sort of cut and paste, Ray, like almost mm-hmm. like stick-up books kind of style. 
Like it didn't flow together very well. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I would only give the art like an average, like okay. average. Like it's not bad, it's it's average. Well, but the story, I think, uh, was better than the art. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... Looking at it again, because I did reread it again, Vanessa Del Rey's, I wasn't really fully taken with her art first, but looking back on it, it has a bit more of a... Um, of an independent label vibe, which is okay, although um, the colouring and the inks kind of still bring it a very kind of Marvel, Marvel looking, um, Marvel looking book. Uh, Scott Eaton, um, I can obviously there's I'm, a lack of backgrounds, right? There's yeah. a real lack of backgrounds. I'm looking at it now, like that's that's something where I feel like there's there's not enough backgrounds in the artwork. Like mm. it's just very much the figures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it just all looks a bit, um, a bit sort of. Cheap or juvenile, yeah, and the yeah. story isn't juvenile. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's lacking oh, in depth. I totally, I know what you mean. It's a style of I think of Scott Eaton for me. Um, look, some of some of the things that he does draw is really good. Like he does actually draw a very nice Mooney here and there. There are some splash pages there sure. which I do like. Uh, his his introduction to Dark Agnes. I actually got. Did you get a bit of a Greg Land feel for that first look of Dark Agnes? I thought it was. Um, yeah, pot- potentially. Mm. I, I've got less problems with his characters. Yeah. So his characters look really good. Like his solo image here, I'm looking out of Dark Agnes, look excellent. Yeah. As does his Conan. Yep. It's where he sequentially has to tell the story mm. and the action is taking place that I feel it, it feels thin. His actual static shots of characters is really good. Yep, yep. But I, I totally know what you mean. I think um, Wayne and I, in our um, discussion of the preview, kind of touched upon it as well. There seems to be a... A lack of something, some depth of something in there, which will, which actually defines yeah. it a lot more. You can kind of tell where Scott Eaton has spent more time, you know, on than on on others. And know? I'll say this: this is a common complaint I have with modern Marvel comics. I think modern Marvel artwork has gone down dramatically in, in recent years. Mm. Like I think uh, there's a creative sort of problem. Like it's not that the artists aren't good. Mm. Like like I'm not actually saying they're not good. I'm just saying that. They, they lack background. They lack depth. Mm. It feels very sort of like someone's cutting and pasting images in. Mm. Like, it, it lacks much feel. Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot of yeah. feel to these drawings. I, I tend to and, get... Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, I tend to get that um, sense from Marvel, but not across the range. Obviously, their top-tier books are a lot different, but there seems to be mm. some titles which appear, for me, that Marvel have said, okay, this is just... It's it's not on the top priority list, so let's let's engage an artist who you know can get the work done, but um, not mm. necessarily um, uh, carry the goods. Uh, the only other thing about the art, I'd say, Dave, which I think is a bit of a positive in any in any case, is um, we are treated a lot with uh, splash pages because uh, I think you've got these big bold statements of introducing these characters in this first issue. Um, both Vanessa yeah. Del Rey and Scott Eaton uh, treat us with with a lot of really beautiful pages. But I mean, I totally agree with you about there being just a bit of a lack of depth in 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 the works. But the, the figures themselves are quite good. Well, I'll make a point. Um, Jimmy Pomiati often talks about when people show him art. He says, "I don't want to just see splash pages. I want to see sequential art." If I'm looking at a portfolio. And this feels to me like someone who really specialises in splash pages and cover images, yeah. trying to be an interior artist. So, yeah, know, that's, that's why it's 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 average at best, you know, really, as yeah. as an, as a piece of art. Yeah, no, no, that's a fair. But as a piece of storytelling, visual storytelling, I guess. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Um, are there any other points for the art, Dave, that you, you'd like to raise? Um... No, I think that, like, the scenes with James Allison are better than the scenes, like, showing action of, say, Solomon Kane or Dark Agnes. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that the figures of Dark Agnes and Solomon Kane are bad, because they're not, they're excellent. It's mm-hmm. the storytelling around it. Um, yeah. Whereas the scenes with James Allison in the bed, I thought looked fine, or were sort of perfect. So there's pluses and minuses. I mean, artists mature. This could be, I'm not familiar with the artist. This could be someone at the start of their career, in which case it's very strong work for someone at the start of their career, you know? like Yeah, for sure. People people get better as they go along, and uh, yeah. just like in writing, uh, artists develop as they as they mature. Oh, absolutely, and and I don't want to disparage him as well. Look, um, as you said earlier, Dave, the art is very solid. Uh, it, it's just the um, uh, the content and and you know um, how he fills the page, which kind of um, you know. Well, you know, I was thinking about it uh, when we were uh, when I was kind of like rolling around today. Basically, it's cut and paste artwork. Yep. And yep, yep. it's very symptomatic of what I see in a lot of Marvel comics, modern Marvel comics. And, you know, again and again, their thin artwork lets them down from a truly great score because they need to improve. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to give them any excuses. They don't get a free pass from me. No. The product's, the product's average at best, you know? Yeah. You are you are a very stern gatekeeper, Dave. Um, but that's very that's exactly <laughs> why we have you here. That's great. Um, Thanks. All right. Well, <laughs> we're moving on to characters now. Look, and, and I want to focus first on our our characters. So, um, with yeah. Moon Knight, uh, look, I thought it was a, a pretty decent portrayal of him. It seems like they're going down the route of uh, the the Cullen Bunn Moon Knight Annual, which was released just recently, yeah. uh, in in which Konshu is pretty much a given. Like, there's no more. Amb- yeah ambiguity as to whether he's actually part of Mark's psyche or he's actually an Egyptian god. It seems like Marvel now have decided, yep, yeah, he's actually a, a god, um, which, well, you know... why not? I mean, like, yeah. it's a fantasy It's a fantasy universe, and uh, yeah. I, I, I know that that's the hook of... I mean, I'm, I'm no Moon Knight expert like you guys, but I've read my mm-hmm. fair share over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often treated as, like, ambiguous, but, like, in Marvel Universe, is the idea of an Egyptian god giving Mark Spector commands that absurd? Not really. Oh no, not not at all. And I think it works perfectly with the story because you have uh, you have Conan, you know, with Crom, and you have Solomon Kane yeah. with his very kind of Christian, um, you know, angle. Although, can I say this? Conan doesn't pay any attention to Crom, and Crom doesn't pay any attention to Conan. Crom's an indifferent god, and and, okay. and Conan has a at best ambiguous relationship with him. He doesn't really. Conan doesn't really care what Crom thinks, and okay. Crom doesn't really think about what humans think. Crom's a very sort of he's a, he's 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 famous for his you know indifference basically. D- does he does he ever interject at all or um or aid well, Conan? Well, there's the scene there's the scene in the Arnie movie where he um gives Arnie like a shield or something, and there are moments where he will interject in Conan's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics, but mostly. Mm-hmm. Crom exists for Conan to say by Crom, you know he yes. swears by Crom every now and then. Damn you to hell! Um, you know yeah. he, he he Conan doesn't pray to Crom. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And Crom doesn't want people to pray to him. Crom is an indifferent being. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, he's it's a different relationship. I I've got to say, I myself thought this was a very sim- simple kind of basic depiction of Moon Knight, but I thought it yep. worked well. But yep. you are right. Like, if this was his own title, 
there'd be more room to explore his relationship with his god. Whereas I quite like they brought Concho in to, as a mythological being yep. uh, to sort of tie this story together. I thought it was done actually quite cleverly. Yeah, I mean, that that is the thing. Another thing, as you said, it brings up, there is a total lack of the identities of Moon Knight. Um, we don't see, yes. I mean, well, again, one of the big things. But again... No Marlene so, either. No Marlene no, either. No, right. no, no Zero Marlene. <laughs> no Marlene. Um, but, you know, as um, as Cullen Bundy did in the annual, it's a choice you make, you know. Um, so yeah. as Jim Zub has decided, let's focus on the Konshu angle and the Egyptian god angle. Uh, and I guess that's the way that we're going to go with it. But I just wanted to point out, yeah, I mean, it's it's another uh, fresh take on Moon Knight. And I wonder if we do get a series later on, if this is how Marvel wants Moon Knight to go. And going even further, Dave, I wonder if this is how they'll be tackling the TV show, Konshu as a, an actual being. What do you think? I think that's an interesting way to go. I think that um, my pro- I, I like the idea of Moon Knight and Mark Spector's stories as well. So I'd like the TV show to tackle some of Mark Spector's flashbacks as as a mercenary. I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I could do without the ambiguity. I wouldn't mind if he sees Moon Knight. Uh, sorry, sorry. Moon Knight sees Conchu, treats him as a real god, and at some point there might be it's his hallucination. But mm. in general, I don't mind the idea of him. It's sort of like in a room being a vision. You know how they talk about people can who are kind of going insane. Yep. They can visually hallucinate. Yes. So the, I could have a man in the side of the room talking to me, and I think it's just a guy talking to me, and I'm taking direction, um, but really they're not there. So it can be a complete breakdown in reality. I wouldn't mind that. Yep. And then the show peels it back a layer to show mm-hmm. there really is a god. Do you know yep. what I mean? So it's yeah. at, at first you think it's just a symptom of his mental illness yeah but when they delve more into the mental illness i get more and more bored yeah um i find it the mythological angle actually more interesting mm, that's um, interesting. Yeah. and i think you could just treat him having manic depression from or, or bipolar from mm-hmm. his days a ptsd from his days as a mercenary i think you can play i'd play with all of them in a bit of a jumble mm-hmm. but i like the idea that there is a mythological being there i think it's kind of cool yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that certainly leans towards your, um, I guess, your penchant for for Moon Knight, uh, not Moon Knight, for Conan. So that, um, uh, you know, that's understandable. And uh, look, I do like the the god as well. Like this whole mythology. I'm a big fan of Hercules as well. Um, all Greek mythology sure. stuff like that. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, let's, let's not forget, Ray, that time at Oz Comic Con where you managed to get those Marvel <laughs> Legends Hercules figures on the prowl. Uh, if, uh, if anyone had seen, he was like a panther <laughs> prowling around the con. <laughs> I tell you, Dave, I and never forget it. still to this day, that is probably the most uh, handsome Marvel figure I have at the moment. It's a real... Really? I'm really proud that I... I I'm really glad that I got it. Um, the Hercules figure is really yeah, good. Um, anyway... I ticked off on it, remember? You You turned to me and go, should I get it? I, go, I was like, get it, get it, do it. I was like, do it. Scotch and cola, do it. Yeah, you're the uh, the, the devil on the shelf, the, uh, the crom on the, on the shoulder there. Um, exactly. So Conan then. So Dave, what are your thoughts on Conan's interpretation here or depiction? Was he was he done well? Uh, yeah. Look, I'm yeah. Uh, one thing Jim Zub does well is Jim. I've got some more comments to make. Jim Zub has a good grasp on the Conan character. This is your basic generic template Conan. Uh, I had no issues at all with it. This is how I feel Conan should be done more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, Conan is a simple pulp character. Mm. He's not complicated. Conan doesn't have 
sort of mental illnesses. He doesn't doubt himself. He's brave. He he leads by example. Um, he's heroic with a massive slash of a mercenary. So mercenary mm. interests ride for Conan. But mm. no, this was fine. Like, I had no problems at all. And Jibs are recently did a savage sort of Conan uh, story yep. that was also very good. Oh, um, I read that one. Yeah, I read he's that about one. To, yeah, he's about to be the ongoing uh, Conan writer okay. after Jason Aaron, and I've got a good feelings about it, although I do want to say one thing. Jim Zub was saying how he wants to you know, work with Conan, but maybe skew away from some of the more common cliches. And I say, no, embrace those cliches. Mm. That's what Conan fans want. And that's what Conan is. And that's how Conan was created by Robert E. Howard. Yeah. And that's how the best Conan, your Chuck Dixon and Roy Thomas, has treated Conan. So actually, Conan should embrace his love of wine, women, and battle. Yeah. He needs all that. That is Conan. Like, if you change that, you're fundamentally changing yeah. the basic character. And no, I had no problems with this. I think it's a sort of it's a quick depiction. He's only got a certain number of pages. But yeah. I, was, I was fine with Conan's depiction in these, in these pages. Yeah, me too. Look, one of the things that stood out for me, and look, he had a, a, a brief kind of um, appearance in this issue, you know, compared to some of the others. So there's only so much you can yeah. kind of gather from it. But what I liked about it and what set him apart from the others was that, you know, Conan, you can tell he's a battler because the way they set him up here, um, he fought an avatar of Set. Uh, he got poisoned or something. And so he's suffering from hallucinations. Yes. Um, but he's still trying to, you know, he's still trying to. Um, you know, shake himself free of that. So I, I kind of like that he's, aspect. He's very that... strong-willed. Conan's yes, extremely exactly. strong-willed. Yeah, and, and um, that's one of the things I love about Conan, and they yeah. do well in the comics, actually. Like, the original stories have it as well. Conan is a person of incredible determination. Mm. Um, he's just also massively mercenary, so it kind of mixes... He, he's not this, like, whiter-than-white hero, but he's got a massive level of determination, and, like... Mm. Once Conan gets an axe in his hand, heads are going to roll, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and would you agree that, I, I guess the aspects that you're saying that Jib Zub wants to get rid of, but you want to retain, I think that kind of keeps the pulpiness of um, of the character of Conan. And I think maybe Zub is trying to, although he's saying, I think he's trying to go for a pulpy kind of feel for this comic. Did, did you get that vibe, is or is that... He's trying, he's trying, yeah. and he's right to do so. Yeah. Jim Zub is an okay writer. No, mm. Nothing more than that. He's overrated, yeah. um, personally. Like, he's prolific. So I'm not actually Jim Zub's biggest fan. I think he's okay. I think he understands fantasy. Mm-hmm. He's got a very irritating habit of injecting comedy into his fantasy books that mm-hmm. is developed early on. Like, you read his Dungeons & Dragons. It's it's almost unreadable. You think, my God, why does he have to make Dungeons & Dragons this, like, farce? Yeah. But um, then again, his like I'll be quite fair. His Skull Kickers, which has fantasy and has humour, is excellent. And that's kind of where he made his name before he got the Marvel work. Yeah. Um, I've read a lot of Jim Zub. He's overrated, and he has mm-hmm. his weaknesses. Um, but he is prolific. He can turn out a book on time. And he does love Conan. And if he doesn't make Conan a farce, I think he'll be very good. I'm yeah. right on the fence with Jim Zub. He's got a lot to prove. Um, he thinks he's a lot better than he, he is. Uh, and a lot of Conan fans like myself are watching intently to see which direction he takes the character in. Yeah, it's funny because my um, I've only kind of been just aware of a lot of his works lately, 
And to me, though, he's yeah. actually a lot better than I thought he would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's no, funny. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. When I say he's yeah. overrated, he's still he's still good. Yeah. Like he he he's good. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. um, but he's not he's, he's not one very of the prolific. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. And um, and really, the challenge for him will be Conan because I'm sure this is a character he wanted. It fits in with his fantasy aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a character that he could write for a long time, and I hope Marvel lets him write for a long time. And I just hope he doesn't turn it into a farce. And I'm, he probably won't. Yeah. Um, Jim's up's pretty good, but I'm just saying, beware. Yep. He can turn in some very average issues. I've read quite a few very average issues. Uh, yeah. He did a very good Conan a while ago um, where Scarlet Witch came to Hyboria and um, was teaming up with Conan. Jim Zub's arc there was really good. I think that it was, was Avengers, a, Avengers Road yeah, Home yeah. Um, no Road Home. Yeah, I read that. That was great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah. was good. Now, Jim Zub at his best is, is, is quite a good writer. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping we get from him moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad um, what you said as well. I'm glad there wasn't too much humour injected in this issue because um, I don't think that would have worked. So I'm glad he laid off on that, but... Um, oh, yeah. me too. Me too. Yep. His humor, his humor is like even when he's Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. the humor is cringeworthy. Like no, it's, it's bad. Yeah, quite yeah. frankly. Oh, oh, let's hope that he he doesn't do that. Um, just doing a little digging, Dave, and going sticking with characterizations. I just want to go back to James Allison. Now, like we we were mentioning him before about him and you know his role here and his past lives. Um, apparently, so he is a Robert E. Howard creation, James Allison, and he. He um, was involved in about eight fragmentary uh, stories that never really made completion, but two of them, The Garden of Fear and The Valley of the Worm, which I think Marvel have reprinted, um, show a story of James Allison. So James Allison is actually a character, and he is this kind of, um, what is it, Uh, um, quantum leaper kind of guy. He he does go from from life to life. Um, and that's what we see uh-huh. here. So, so I think Jim Zub has picked up this obscure character, and he's using that's him good. as yeah, as like a um, as the uh, what the avatar or the eyes. I still would have preferred it to be Robert E. Howard, though. That that I, I is think pretty that would cool. Would have been cooler. Yeah, to yeah. make Robert E. Howard like a mystical character inside the universe, I think would have been really cool. That would. But no, really... it is interesting, and that's and that's what we thought. I'd read an article which seemed mm. to say the same thing. Yeah, I've not read the stories myself, but uh, Robert E. Howard wrote a lot for pulp magazines mm-hmm. and some of the stuff um, was either unpublished as it was rejected or it just hadn't he hadn't submitted it when he died because he committed suicide yeah, um, when his yeah. mother died um, yeah. but he was a prolific writer and uh, again I'll, I'll point people to the Robert E. Howard collections on Amazon you can pick them up very mm. cheaply and they're some of the best reading you'll get and I think it really would appeal to a lot of comic book readers because it's pulpy it's fast it's action packed it has romance violence all sorts of stuff going on in it yeah, no, it's fantastic, and and I can't wait to see what he does with James Allison because it, it seems like a very, uh, you know, multi-dimensional character. Like we've got this New York th- like, in, introduced. In, I think he's going to be a, just a pivot character. Yeah, right? I think he's just a POV oh. character. I don't oh, think really? it's going to be that incredible. Because I thought maybe. Oh well, you're right. There's only th- three more issues as well, but um, I'm intrigued yeah. by this New York, this past life. I, I want to see how that's connected to it. Maybe New York is living in the um, Hyborian age, similar as Conan. Maybe that's what connects him to to Conan. I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll see. Prepare to be underwhelmed, Ray. Like, uh, you, 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 like it's not going to 
going to be that good, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> these team-up issues with, like, four different characters over four issues yeah. are never that good. Yeah. Like, it's, they're okay, but, like, <laughs> like I'm, not, I, I'm just not... A, oh, I'm look. like, prepare for, prepare for 6.5 out of 10 at best. Yeah, you know? look, I think the, the, the length of it as well, four, four parts, I think... Yeah. yeah, it's never going to be a great like read that you're going to go, whoa, what what a what a journey, you know. It's going to be a short, sharp little no. thing, uh, but yeah. hopefully it springboards into some series. I'm kind of still interested in Solomon Kane. I think they've already announced Dark Agnes oh, yeah. as a series, so. Um, that's oh it. really? Yeah. Really? Are they, yeah. are they doing Solomon Kane and Dark Agnes series? See, that interests me a lot more. Well, the Dark I didn't know Dark, they were doing that. Dark Agnes. I don't think they've released Solomon Kane. I think it was in the February solicitations or January. Okay. So, um, so she's. I'd, I'd pick that up. I'd do that. Mm. On, I'd do that on Signal for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. see, that's interesting. That's see, that's mm. interesting. So, and that's why they're bringing these characters that's, together with Conan. Yep. And I see. Okay, and Moonlight, right. Yeah. Well, that's. I hope they also do Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane's pretty so. cool, man. He could definitely have his own series. Yeah, I saw um, Dave. I saw on Facebook Marketplace um, a. Mm. I think it's a four-parter or two-parter of Solomon Kane the series by Dark Horse. Mm. Um, someone was selling okay. it online. I was thinking, "Ooh, should I just get that?" Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe I, don't, I don't think he'll be disappointed. I'd also yeah. say to you, Ray, do you read a lot? Do you read much prose? I used to, but time is, you know, very uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sparing now. But well, I, I do a lot, yeah. I, I, I understand that. You've got a young child and everything. But yep. even still, the, the short stories that Robert E. Howard wrote yep. of Solomon Kane are going to be much better than anything that Marvel puts out. I, think, I guarantee it. I think that's where I'll go um, first, to, to be honest. I think um, you sold And, me and they're, they're not hard to read. There's only about yep. six or something of them. And honestly, like... I, like, I hope this Dark Agnes series and Solomon Kane are really good, but mm-hmm. nothing will beat the Robert E. Howard stories. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, it's great. I, I'm going to check them out on Kindle and Amazon as soon as um, as soon as we wrap up, really. Um, you can literally get them for 99 cents, 100 stories yeah. by Robert E. Howard for 99 cents online. 99 cents of joy. That's that's good. Um, that's yeah, great. There you go. Uh, look, finally, as well, references. Look, I wanted to point out as well, uh, Werewolf by Night 33... Um, Scott Eaton pays homage to the cover to that. So we see in the Moon Knight um, when he battles the werewolf by night. Uh, that's that's yes. taken, taken straight off um, issue 33. Uh, any re- I've got a question, Ray. Did yes. Moon Knight ever have, like, werewolf powers? He did. He did. Um, uh, well, in, in the sense that he had um, super strength, agility, reflexes, that's all. Um, so he, and does he still have them or not, or he lost them? No, Doug Mensch, he retconned it. Um, I think he went for okay. it for about four issues, and then um, all of a sudden he lost them. And then they came back again right. in the 80s with the moon being, um, and the high priest right. being the things that... Uh, but he did. Uh, apparently, well, it was kind of off-panel, I think. He gets bitten by the werewolf, and apparently the saliva... Uh, infused with his blood, and he got there. So all all that sort of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> um, it was a bit a bit messy. The origin um, all the way back then. Uh, but any references, Dave, of Conan? Did you pick any? I'm not sure if there were any particular references to Conan runs here. Did you? Um, any? Oh, East? not really. No. I mean, I, I didn't know. I was interested in when they said he was sort of bitten by Set. Mm. I thought were they referencing an earlier adventure? But yeah. I think they were just referencing something that happened in Off Panel Land, basically. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, that's what I. You know, so okay. I, I, like Conan often fights the Set and goes down to um, Styria, where I think yep. it's or Stygia, yep. which is where Set is worshipped, the Serpent God. And it's kind yeah. of more sorcerers and stuff down there, and um, and Conan, as I told you, distrusts 
yep. witches and sorcerers and wizards. So is that a, um, so he's often battling against those guys. Is that a thing then? So he he comes across Set a lot in in his adventures. Oh yeah, Set's wow. one of the okay. The, the serpent god is that's from Robert E. Howard's like okay, legends. okay because that that's yeah, that's, a, that's like one of the, the most common sort of. Um, there's a few gods in Conan's world. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's Krom, but like I told you, yeah. Krom takes no interest in people. There's yeah. Mitra, who's like a god of, I think she's sort of like of healing, and mm-hmm. she's or he or she is kind of like almost like one of the main gods. Yeah. Um, and then there's Set, and Set is kind of more evil uh, and a serpent. And, well, you know, Set, kind of... I mean, Set is a derivation of an Egyptian, one of the Egyptian gods, a god of chaos. So yeah. there's cool. um there's yeah. that that direct link with the, and Robert E. Howard, you know. Pilfered from all sorts of mythology mm. in his stories, as you would imagine. Like he wrote them back in the twenties and thirties. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, interesting. Because I also know Dave as well. I think there have been solicitations announced of. Uh, there's another Conan series called The Serpent Crown. I think um, so. Marvel readers would know The Serpent Crown featured heavily in Atlantis Attacks and um, back in the eighties mm. and the nineties. Uh, so there's going to be another series with Conan. I think it's a limited where he he searches for the Serpent Crown. I think. Um, and that okay. more recently has been revealed in, um, I'm going to say, The Invaders by Chip Zdarsky. So Namor actually had the Serpent Crown there. So um, it's popping up, and, and Conan's going to run into it again. Um, Can I be honest? Mm-hmm. I'm, I really prefer Conan in Hyboria as opposed to the modern world. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that this... Uh, Jim Zub actually himself said that he prefers that. I love Jerry Duggan. I think Savage Avengers is cool, but I think the more time Conan spends in the modern world, the less interesting it becomes and he becomes. Nah, he should be enough. back in Hyboria. Like, I wish I would just do that better. Like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't need to fucking fight against the devil, like, to make him cool. <laughs> Conan's already cool. Yeah, like, yeah. really, he is. Like, he, Conan doesn't need all these fucking crossovers yeah. into the modern world. Well, if, like, if any... Conan's, yeah. Conan's fans love his original yeah. stuff, you know? Well, if anything, um, I reckon they should Marvel should create some characters that will make their way into the Hyborian Age, and then you have Conan stay there. And yeah. yeah, I think that would be really good. So, um, well, like like Scarlet Witch, she travelled to Hyboria in, yes. in Avengers: Road Home, whatever it was called. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, um, I'm, yeah, I, I would love to see that. Oh, I mean, like someone not modern looking, like someone more of Conan's aesthetic. That would be cool. Like if you set set you know some Marvel character up. And then, and then they, that's a crossover there, but you don't have any of this crisscross of, of modern and, and Conan. I think that would be... Yeah, well, there, there's already um, characters in, like, Bullet, the, the, the mm-hmm. pirate queen. Mm-hmm. Like, she's had a series. She's based in Conan's world. She was his girlfriend for years. Yeah. Uh, there's Valeria, mm-hmm. um, the swordswoman. I mean, there's already characters there. I, yeah. I, like, I, I, I sort of think, if anything, I am impressed by the way Marvel are marketing Conan, but I wish they would invest more in building him up in the Hyborian Age where he belongs. Mm, yeah. And I'm hoping with Jim Zub coming on board, that's exactly what will happen. And don't give Jim Zub fucking five issues. Give Jim Zub 50 yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. Like, why... You need to build why, it. Yeah, of course. Uh, why are we so determined to mm. get people doing no more than 10 to 13 issues? Mm. It's shit. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't work. It, these constant reboots don't work, mm. and they're playing to a smaller and smaller crowd. Give Conan a stable creative team. He's a great mm. character. Jim Zub loves the character. I was disappointed Jason Aaron only stayed around for 12 issues. If Jason mm. Aaron's goal, his whole fucking career was supposed to write Conan, why would he only stick around for 12 issues? That's yeah, what I yeah. don't understand. Well, that's a good point because he did yeah. talk about how big a fan he was and how he kind of had been you yeah. know, waiting for the moment. And so. guess what? Here's a review. Here's a review that that Marvel might not like. 
Jason Aaron's Conan the Barbarian was okay. It was <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. Like it was. No, was it was it more than seven out of ten? No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Jim Zub's Savage Sword of Conan run of a couple of issues was probably better than Jason Aaron's Conan. And yeah. Jason Aaron's Conan suffered because he only had twelve issues and was determined to tell this storyline that wasn't yeah. that interesting. Yeah. Inside twelve issues, it was okay. Yeah. It was probably six point five out of ten. But Jason Aaron is a guy who normally gives you eight point five out of yeah, ten. Yeah, and why? You know, you know, it was just it, it was almost like he felt constrained by the story. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just here telling it like it fucking is. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not going to sit here and go, Jason Aaron's Conan was the greatest thing I've ever read. Uh, no, sorry, no. Chuck Dixon's Conan, Robert Roy Thomas's Conan was Jerry Conway's Conan was so much better than Jason yeah. Aaron's Conan. Sorry, that's well, just the way it was. I mean, you just got to look at it as well. Like Jason Aaron's Thor, and look how many issues he had of Thor as well to build that. Fantastic. So he, yeah. you need time to actually build it, and and to, yeah, to ex- you do. expect a writer. Marvel need to give them that yeah. time, and and to expect a writer will create a gem within 12 issues is a very hard thing for them to do but um but yeah i mean that's it's, a, it's un, it must be a disappointment for you that jason aaron you know because i know you respect him as a writer didn't didn't deliver very much so yeah but uh but jim uh, Jim's didn't up. deliver fully D- mm. did what i call the bare minimum okay um it was okay uh yeah. I'll, yeah will i get the hardcover yes but i am looking more forward to jim sub coming on because i think jim sub's probably got a fresher take yeah um and I just hope is is down for a longer run. That said, I love Jason Aaron. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I've got I've sure. got, I've spent thousands of dollars on Jason Aaron's work, so I'm a big Jason Aaron fan. So I know it saddens do. me to only give his run six point five out of ten. I, I know you do. I'm very jealous of your Ghost Rider omnibus, Dave, by Jason Aaron. I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> it's only a soft cover, Ray. It's only a soft oh, cover. Oh, is it? Man. But it's but it's a whole the whole collection, right? The omnibus or. It's no, no, no. It's the complete collection, man. It's just the complete collection, oh. the first volume. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's still, yeah. Yeah, still very good. Um, out of print as well. So, uh, anyway, anyway, Dave. So we're going to go to ratings now. Okay, moon ratings. Now, sure. I don't know if you got your prompt sheet. So, what am I rating it out of? I got confused. What am I? What's the score? Just give me just, out of five? just give me out of ten, and uh, and tell me if you want okay. a, a vanilla rating or a connoisseur rating. Okay, so, I, don't, I don't know what the difference is. Oh, uh, so out of 10 yep. for this issue, yeah? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to give it? I would give this um, 6.5. Oh, okay, very cool. Very, oh, okay, very good. Um, look, that's a, a waning gibbous. So Dave, um, on the record, 6.5 out of 10. Very good um, indeed. Uh, I <laughs> No, I'm only, I'm only saying that, Dave, because I will give it, I was going to... Truth be told, I was going to give it a 6.5, and I've changed it down to a 6. Okay. But then maybe I should stick okay. to my original. So um, I'm going to... Sus- no, I'm... It's your show, right? Nah, you can do what you like, man. No, because I'm just trying to weigh it up now. Like, um, I've got this new rating system where I'm a little a little harsher. I'm a little more, um, you know, right. a little stricter. I think I'll say 6, okay? 6 out of 10. Um, okay. And I'll go, for, I'll go for a vanilla rating. A waning, That's a waning gibbous as well. So both Dave and I... Or in the waning gibbous um, phase What's of the, the other option? I don't even understand what the other option is. Well, What's the so other option? Connor's option. What does he do? So Michael, yeah, so Connor Shoe, he actually created a rating system himself. Um, so out of right. out of zero to ten, he's got a description of it. So generally, we usually do a rating system with the phase of the moon. Um, you, right. Your one now would be a, um, Connor's would be a getting small moon. Um, as to what that means, I have no idea. But it's, it's <laughs> anyway. Um, I thought I'd just share it. So six, yeah, six. I thought is is decent. It's a pass. Um, uh, uh, some some of the yeah. positives are that you know we get a bit of Moon Knight action, obviously, so a bit of bias there. Um, and some of the art is good, like the splashes. But 
overall, like the overall art, is not satisfying, um, unfortunately. And um, it's a very simple, a very simple story. So um, yes. can't really give it yes. much more than a six. Uh, so there you go, loonies. That's fair. I think we're being very fair. Yeah, no, we're, we're very, very fair indeed. Um, thank you so much, loonies. We actually, Dave, before we go, we have some feedback. So um, I'd like to read it out. Um, first one, sure. uh, I mean, from our Facebook group, we have one from Jonathan, and he says, I miss the birdhead conchu. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, Warren Ellis's bird birdhead conchu is um is pretty cool. Um, but I actually I've missed the old fashioned conchu, so I'm happy to see him back and and having a bit more of a traditional uh, story with Conan and and all these other characters. I think it warrants uh, an older, more traditional looking conchu. Um, we have uh, another comment from Phil Perich, one of our fellow collective members from Capes and Lunatics. He said, it seemed like an awesome setup, but no multiple personalities. Marvel seems to be ignoring J- uh, Steve and Jake lately, a sign to come with the Disney Plus show, question mark. So, yeah, I mean, as Dave and I... I doubt it. I, uh, I, I, yeah. I highly doubt that the Disney Plus will ignore the multiple personalities. It, it, I think this is more just because they had less room to work with. I think so. I think so. You're right, Dave. I mean, it's a big component of Moon Knight the identities so they're going to have to yeah, play yeah. with that if you're going to bother to do Moon Knight on TV you'll definitely yeah. incorporate something to do with the multiple personalities exactly um, another comment here from Rick the Rick Ball special he says keeping it nice and short Conan Serpent War it did exceed my expectations bringing in the passage of Robert E. Howard characters and concepts James Allison Njord the Wanderer Dark Agnes Solomon Kane Jim Zub really did get things off to a fascinating start and the art by Scott Eaton was good to fantastic ooh there's a bit of a, a difference there Dave yeah. um, can't wait to see more Rick's, Rick's, Rick's swinging for the fences isn't he <laughs> can't wait to see more of the Moon Knight mythos weave and merge together with these characters absolutely Rick I want to see more Moon Knight, and I'm um, confident. Rick should work in PR for Marvel with that kind of review. <laughs> like he should. Um, but look, very encouraging that Jim Zub has given a bit of bit of uh, you know bit of the spotlight to Moon Knight there. So hopefully we'll get more. Yeah. Um, we've just got a few more here, Dave, from our Facebook page. A short one from Carl Stout, one of the co-hosts from Sons of the Dragon, the Iron Fist podcast. He um, podcasts with Connor. Uh, he just says, OMG, oh my God, Solomon Kane." So, Carl, I know you must be a big fan. Um, I, He's feeling it. I think I'm a fan. And Dave, I know you like him, so that's pretty cool. Oh, I like him a lot. Yeah, yeah. he's cool. Um, and Chad, we have Chad, the power oh, of power. Chad. Chad. Uh, I was surprised at how well Zub did to blend all the components of this issue. The congruent story telling um, with each duo and the choreography between the frames really set us into a welcoming story. It didn't demand a study on each combatant and it didn't force any unwanted dialogue. My favourite piece was The Colours by Jean-Francois in the dreams of Alison's past lives. They were beautiful. And I must comment, I think they were good. I really did like them. There was that... um, kind of glimmer, the blue glimmer um, for the, the dream sequences. Uh, there wasn't a lot of... Although, can I say one thing? Yep, sure. I wish that the the dream versions of all his past lives had looked a bit more different. They all ah, the yeah, good point. That would have been good, actually. It was a sameness to them. I thought they could have differentiated a bit more. Yeah, yeah, that would that would have actually added a bit more to it. Um, there w- could have been a whole point. Could have been a 7.5 if they'd done that. <sighs> Bumped it up from... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the extra story for Kane was a nice touch. 
uh, oh, oh, he's talking. He's got the um, the director's cut digital version, uh, and the digital. Yeah, I've got that too. Okay, and the digital copy have the um, pencil ink color segments was really cool. Looking forward to the next installment. I give it a solid round boy. That's in the Konishu rating system, seven out of ten. Uh, it's a good issue. Fair enough. Yeah, it's a, thanks, Chad. Um, and he finishes off with, it's a good issue, great artwork, but a bit on the empty end regarding Mark. That being said, it's a Conan issue, um, not even a West Coast Avengers or Secret Avengers co-op. So, no, fair enough. It's fun. It's more of a Moon Knight guesting inside a, a Robert E. Howard story, really, if you think about it. it. Is. Everything else it is. other than Moon Knight is Robert E. Howard. So it is. Moon Knight's the guest here, so hence getting less of a run. Well, it surprises me. He actually got a bit. He got a bit more at the beginning. He got a fair few pages. So, um, but understandably, he should be less because it, it is a Conan book, really. Um, uh, look, I mean, I'm not saying it needs to be one or another, but uh, yeah. but every other character is a Robert yeah, Howard exactly. character. Yeah, so, exactly. It's a whole yeah. universe. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and finally, another comment from Jonathan Sapp said, um, f- who commented in the group, now on the page, an intriguing start, interesting characters, but why not Birdhead Conchu? <laughs> he's, he's back again on the Birdhead. Yeah. Um, we're back to the hoodie again. I love that Birdhead Conchu, don't they? Uh, he does look pretty cool visually. It is a pretty cool, yeah, in, in the white suit. Um, funny because Ellis's reboot was supposed to be the new norm, and now there's nothing left from that. Uh, MPD, white, costume, hoodie, conchu, all back. I think the show... Well, sh- that was 10 years ago. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, things move on, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, you, you can't have Moon Knight rolling around with a fucking paper bag over his head for the rest of his, like, career. Well, that's a, and that's one of the recurring things that Moon Knight series is they always change, chop and change. So you can't, you know, um, people that love the Houston run, you know, they're they're pining for more of that. But it, it's unfortunately it just changes because that's Moon Knight's. You know, the writers they love to write him, and they love to get in that sandbox. So that's why you get different stories. Um, anyway, he finished. Yeah, you've got to embrace a bit of difference if you're a Moon Knight fan. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, so anyway, Jonathan finishes off with, I think the show should go supernatural and weird to differentiate from Daredevil. And absolutely, Jonathan, I think so. On, for the I agree. Disney Plus. I agree with John on that comment, Big Tom. Mm. So thank you very much, Loonies, for those comments. Dave, there's only one more from YouTube. Now, this was um, mm. on our episode prior, episode 123. And again, a big shout-out to CMK7. He is our, uh, our ITK... Um, robot, and he says um, another because <laughs> oh, of his name. I told him, he said, "Yeah, it does sound like it." Um, another great episode, guys. Keep him coming. Thanks for the shout out and reading my post. I wasn't expecting that. You blew my mind. Um, then my handle does sound like a droid or something. I should have given it more thought. I was just going for something simple and plain in case I use the account for work or something. Poor Bendis. Oh, yeah, we we reviewed the Bendis issue. He gets no love from Mooney fans. I can see why. I guess because it sucked. Because his because <laughs> his run sucked hard. Dave, telling it as it is. There we are. You know, he he took quite a few liberties with Mark's disso- dissociative identities. But other than that, I, I quite like the series. There's a lot of really great stuff in there, and overall, I consider it a great showing of our beloved Luna Legionnaire, punching way above his weight class again against Count Nefaria, I found incredibly exciting. Dialogue and characterizations were great. Well-placed bits of humor going against other more known villains in Hyde and Madame Mask, etc. 
and that art by Maleev is truly remarkable and I find very fitting for this character. It does work best as a collection, though, as individual issues not nearly as strong. And that is, I 100% agree, um, Dave. Wayne and I, we reviewed issue four, and what we found was that it was just like reading a snippet of... It's like reading a chapter of a novel. Yeah. Um, it certainly... Who wrote it? Uh, Bendis. So it certainly does... Right. Typical Bendis. Though. Yeah, exactly. His his twelve issues read a lot better all together rather than one. Um, so, yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, CMK seven. Beep, beep, boop, beep, boop. Anyway, isn't it fascinating that Bendis um, has maintained a career and been so successful when he's got so many flaws? <laughs> like it's it's fascinating to me. Like Bendis is okay. Mm. Like, but like he's so played out. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's been on the decline for, like, a decade plus, mm. and yet he's maintained a career. So, tribute to him, really, because, yes. frankly, a lot of Bendis is like treading water when you read it. You know, Dave, I always get this image of when people talk about Bendis of, um, you know, a huge blimp, but, you know, on fire and slowly yeah. crashing, yeah. because he did reach the heady yeah. heights back in the day, but mm. everything mm. he's doing now seems to be just critiqued and slammed and and he's going down like you know um so yeah but he's been doing that for a long time mm. and he's still got a successful career so i actually think bennis is doing okay he's very high in his own well, supply well, bennis. i mean if you ever that's what, have the yeah. un- misfortune to listen to him talk yeah. he really does believe he's one of the greatest yeah. writers of all time yeah. all evidence to the contrary you know yeah. his his last 10 years have been average yeah. to below average in terms of quality yeah. I, mean, I mean that's why i mentioned the blimp dave you know slow it's, yeah, it's it like, is the blimp. It's yeah. um, you know, as you're saying, he's been declining for a long time. The blimp slowly floats. Have you seen there. him look how he looks now? Ever since that he had the illness, he looks like death warmed up. Oh, jeez, Dave. He actually looks. Have you actually seen it? I, I've seen. I've he, seen. He wears him. like these black glasses, and he's pale as hell. He literally looks like a walking death. Wow. I I know he lost a lot of weight, but um, that's he 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 got really sick. Yeah, yeah. Bender's yeah. got really he had an sick. Operation he lost, or he lost vision and everything. Oh, wow. Like, he had a really bad illness, and my heart goes out to him. Yes. But, like, check Bendis out at a panel now. He looks like a, a walking zombie. Okay. He's, okay. he's so pale, and he's lost all this weight, and he wears these dark glasses that don't do him any favours at all. And you look at him, you're like, wowee. They're yeah. like, Jesus Christ, Bendis, like, get some colour He's not that old, you. though, as well. So I'm hoping all, all the be- No, he'd yeah. be about my age. Oh, he'd, be, he'd be in his mid-40s. Really? I thought he'd be in his 50s. Or Okay. Um he definitely looks a little, little old. Oh, I'd say mid forties, mid forties to fifty. He'd be in that yeah. region. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I hope he hope his health stays. You know, d- despite you know, regardless of his storytelling. Um, you know, all the best for his health. Sure. Well, what will happen will happen, right? We've got no power over right, his health, it. man. Like you know. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and on. Uh, and on that on that note, um, I'm just going to thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for um, for joining us on the. No it's worries, been an man. awesome. It's, it's been, been an a awesome blast, chat. Dude. It's been a blast. I really enjoyed it. I really it. enjoyed it. Bit of free balling, a little bit of comments here and there. Probably ruffle a few feathers oh. along the way. Too bad, you know. Any 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 complaints? Send them to Ray. I'm this, not going to read you them. You know, this wouldn't be a guest a guest appearance by Dave without a few 
feathers ruffled. So um, it's always it's yeah, always definitely. fun. No, a huge thank you, Dave. Um, it's always you're always welcome on here. I can't believe you've only been here two times. I've been on the signal a few times. I'm loving it over there as well. So um, yeah. yeah, we love you on the signal, Ray. We we love Connor, um, your mm-hmm. co-host. We love I love the other Connor as well that you do on with Last Unscripted. I love both the Connors. Um, you you guys are great. You guys are fantastic. Proud members of the collective. You're always all welcome yeah. on the signal oh, of doing fantastic. Exactly, and um, on that as well, yeah, we are part of the collective, as Dave said, uh, Signal of Doom, Into the Night. Uh, it's a band of so many great podcasts, uh, a lot of them character-based, um, some of them as well, similar to the Signal, uh, pop culture-based. Um, very, very fun listening. So you got the likes of, um, I'm just looking at a list here, uh, the EMP, Earth's Mightiest Podcast. They do Avengers, Deadpool, X-Men. You have the Inner Demons. Dave likes to call them the Court Jesters, yeah. the Ghost Ride. The Court Jesters. Podcast. Um, you know, there's also Sons of the Dragon, Immortal Iron Fist Podcast. Anything there to take your fancy, it's there. So a, a huge shout-out to them. Links in the show notes. Uh, next phase, we are doing a Moon and Stars segment. I will have with me a guest, Caden Batera. He's a director of that fan film of Moon Knight. Um, Dave, I'm not sure if you've seen that or not. It's a very, very well-produced short film. Yeah, that's cool. He, that's he takes a lot cool. of. Uh, I'll have to send you the link after the show. He um, takes a lot of liberties with Moon Knight mm. and the aesthetic and everything, um, but um, you can't deny he's got he's got a bit of talent, the young chap with um, with filmmaking. So, gonna have cool. him on the show next time. Um, so, a big thank you once again, Dave. Uh, look, Looney, you can find us. You can drop us a line on email itkmoonnight at gmail dot com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Vocal, Get Vocal. We've got a website. All that is in the page that you're kind of associated with this episode my head's spinning there's a lot going there, on this, there. there's a lot of different oh options yeah there's there. a big wrap up I used to I used to go through all of the details but look it's just easier there, there are links over there um, <laughs> can I buy an implant and just put you guys into my brain so that I can just be piped in direct <laughs> if only if there's going to be technology like that later I'm sure of it um, iTunes ratings, reviews, very much appreciated, guys. If you can, um, that'd be yes. good. If you just let us know what we can do to improve the show as well, we we always love to hear that. Um, more, more Dave, Dave more Dave, Dave. more uh, feather ruffling. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Imagine if Ben just hears it and he's like cursing in his little 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 writer's studio. I do not look like Dave. Oh, <laughs> let me write a five part series with my shitty characters to tell him oh, that. Geez. <laughs> um, all my crappy creator own characters <laughs> uh, well, with that I'd like to say thank you once again Dave and uh, <laughs> to everyone may country watch over the denizens of the night especially for you Bendis see you later and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.